Hi everyone, welcome to the B2B Sales Podcast. I'm Thibaut. And I'm Ara. Every week, we interview thought leaders, experts, and top performers in B2B sales. During 30 to 45 minutes, we will deep dive into topics like modern prospection, pipeline management tactics, or innovative sales tools to help you navigate the complex world of B2B sales. We're on a mission to change the way society sees sales. This profession is one of the most rewarding ever, yet many people are afraid to do sales or they choose this career by default. This podcast is brought to you by Sales Labs. If you want to know more about our sales training and coaching programs, go to www.saleslabs.io. I repeat, www.saleslabs.io. So get ready for your dose of sales wisdom and enjoy the show. So welcome everyone uh, to this uh, new episode of the Sales Lab Virtual Tour, uh, which will be in turn uh, like a new episode of the B2B Sales Podcast. So today I'm uh, receiving someone super interesting uh, who has like a great um, background and career. He's done a lot of things. So it's uh, Kyle Roach. So Kyle, welcome to the, to the show. Yeah, pumped to be here. Thanks so much for having me. So how are you doing? I, I'm doing well. Um, I... If anyone is in sales, you you tend to uh, you tend to feel good when your team is doing well, right? And uh, my team is doing well, so I'm happy, and uh, it's fun to be here today and do this, uh, and and hopefully get some great questions to to chat through. Um, it's been a super interesting year for business development, sales development, um, a lot of change, a lot of growth. So I'm I'm really excited to chat about it, and uh, uh, yeah, doing well. Okay, so before we dive into the questions we had, so you're director of the sales development at Socio. Can you maybe tell tell me a bit more about your background, what you're doing, and uh, uh, yeah, like who you are? Yeah, so I am professionally trained as a um, teacher. I was a public school Spanish teacher for four years um, in uh, a couple of different cities here around Indiana, and I always had a passion for technology. I loved what ed tech was doing inside the classroom. And so I thought, hmm, I wonder how I can do more of that. And I started looking for tech companies around uh, my area and stumbled across one called Lessonly uh, that was doing uh, learning management for uh, corporations, companies, for-profit organizations. And I thought, oh, that's cool. So I hopped in there, did some sales development. That was my first real uh, cut at sales. Uh, fell, fell in love with it. Fell in love with the idea of managing a team and um, started managing at that point and uh, then was able to transition to Socio. I started at Socio on March 2nd. Um, it is a lot, it was at that time a mobile event platform and doing live events. And um, about two weeks later, we were working from home and we were a virtual event platform. So that has been the last now eight months of my life is um, going through a whole new business model and uh, pivot pro product pivots and, and how we message those, um, but it's been a lot of fun. Okay, okay, yeah, that's 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 kind of a strange timing, let's say. <laughs> uh, it's like uh, it was not easy. No, it was not easy. I had just found the coffee machine and um, I had just met all of my team, and then we said, "All right, we're going to go work from home." So I've actually been working at Socio for now what uh, eight eight months, give or take. And I've only met my team in person about eight times. <laughs> so okay. uh, it's a, a whole new dynamic um, managing and, and, and guiding a team in this environment. But it's been a fun job. So, 
So how, how I'm, I'm curious about that. So you met the, them eight, eight times, which is, I think, more than a lot of people met their teams. So how, do you, how did you work? Did you meet in like, uh, uh, and you were all wearing like some kind of a, a astronaut suit or what, what was, uh, how did you do it? I actually only, so I mean, those eight times were in the two weeks when we, the, the, the government really hadn't shut down anything yet here in, in, in Indiana. So we were just in the office. Our office was still open. We were all working out of there. So I met him about eight consecutive days in a row. And then obviously we all went remote and we've just been in Zoom, <laughs> in Zoom conversations to this point. So we've talked okay. and we talk every day, right? But uh, physically in person, like gathered around a meeting room, uh, it's only happened about, about, about seven, eight times. Okay. Okay. Great. So um, I think I think it's, it's going to be super interesting because you, you're like uh, you basically like took a new job and then you had to pivot from an existing business model to a new one. So we'll take questions around that. Um, so we have a first one, which is like, uh, how did you pivot from on-site to online events? Yes. So this is a huge, huge testament to a product team to our product team that did a phenomenal job. I think one of the best things we had too, and, and shout out to our marketing, they recognized this pivot uh, back in January and February. They saw, they kind of forecasted, hey, this, this is coming. We need to be prepared. And so we had the conversations in January and February, which has allowed us to change the roadmap and, um, and move pretty quickly there. Product team went all hands on deck in uh, doing this. I, and I almost call it a remodel because the, the platform was built to be an app right on your phone, but it was, they had a web-based application. So they really just needed to knock down a few walls, um, yeah. you know, recreate some different things. And you had, you had the, the platform. So that was really the story of how Socio did that. We stayed laser, laser focused. Um, we deprioritized things that needed to wait. And we just said, Hey, we're going to have to do some of these other things to keep, keep the business running. Um, and then what it became sales job to do is to communicate that there's a lot going on in the world right now. There's a lot changing, but that you can still engage your attendees. You can still engage your audience in an authentic, energizing and exciting way. It's just going to look a little bit different, right? You don't have to hang everything. Think about these companies. They right. They would have these big, huge events and they would bring in users from all over the world and spend hundreds of thousands of millions of dollars to do that. And now you can actually spread that out and you can get more return and more engagement uh, using a virtual platform. So it was really just helping buyers see that there's a whole new opportunity here. There's a new way of thinking. It's not like you have to do either or. It's just very much like, hey, there's this new opportunity for you. So we had to really sell on this art of what's possible and, and share new ideas with them. Okay. Yeah. I mean, like one thing of, uh, for me, um, I think, I don't know. And you'll tell me if, if that was the case. Um, but like, I, I have the impression that let's say you were investing, uh, like a few thousand or, or tens of thousand bucks into a booth and an event and sponsor, sponsor, uh, sponsorships and everything. And then suddenly, okay, you just go and invest in the software or a solution for uh, events. And then people are like, oh, but it's just a software, it doesn't cost you much, so I, I'm, I'm, I'm gonna pay just a fraction of that. So how are, how are you dealing with it? Did you have this kind of objection and how, how are you dealing with that? Right, so here's what's cool, right? So if you're, if you're, if you're hosting an event and you're hosting it in person, right? You have a huge budget for this 
And a fraction of that already is, is probably for software. And then you have a really big chunk that is, um, you know, VIP and you have a really big chunk of it. That's food and beverage, right? And you have a really big chunk that's audio visual. So what we were saying is, Hey, there's an opportunity here. Like if all of that big budget cost, let's just say a hundred thousand dollars for easy math and the software you're only spending five, $10,000 on. Well, Hey, come over, come over here, spend 15, spend 20, get a whole virtual experience. And you don't have to worry about food and beverage, right? You still are saving yeah. yourself a ton of money and you can get the experience that you want out of your attendees and you can still have them connect with sponsors. You can still show your sponsors that ROI. So it was actually a cost saving move for, for a lot of businesses as they transition there. And then you can do instead of one big event, do multiple events, right? Like hold yeah. most the multiple events throughout the year. So the, the opportunity just expanded tremendously where instead of putting all of our eggs in one basket, we could spread that spend out a little bit more and get more authentic connection within attendees. So that became our selling point at Socio was, hey, like do this, right? This is a new way of thinking about this. And if things go back to in-person whenever, great. We're right there with you. We can help you with that too. But in the meantime, there is an opportunity here and you don't have to shutter up, batten down the hatches and just hold on and wait for, for yeah. things to open up. You can have that experience with your users, with your attendees, with your customers. Okay. Yeah, that's that's really interesting because uh, um, people crave this. Uh, I, I was talking yesterday with uh, the VP uh, member success at uh, Revenue Collective and she was telling me like, uh, people are really craving this kind of sense of of, uh, of you know meeting meeting others and so these virtual events are a way to do that and so um, as you said again it's a great opportunity to actually save money on all these kind of uh, things that are important whenever you're going to events and I've been to a lot of events when I started my sales career and one tip is don't send your junior guys because they're just going to go and drink and just like party all time which is what I was doing I even went once to Web Summit uh, it was in in, uh, in Lisbon in Portugal and I didn't, uh, I went there for one week of event. I didn't go in single time at the event booth, basically. I just, you know, spent my time enjoying this one. <laughs> but, but you know what's cool is Web Summit is going to count that as a win because you remember doing those things and having a great time under their brand, right? And it's such yeah. an important thing for them. It's like you're talking up, having a great time at their event. Um, and, and people are going to say, oh, cool, I should go to that, right? And how many people in your network did you meet there? So, yeah, the fact that you didn't interact with every single you know, vendor that was there, go to any of the events. It was like, okay, yeah, maybe we'd love you to go there, but you still had a great time and it was in the Web Summit brand, right? It was in that brand. Like, so that's, yeah. that's a really important piece to it as well um, <laughs> that sometimes gets bypassed. Okay. That, we can see your your work really well on your objection handling on that <laughs> because that's a, that's, a, that's a good one. That's actually, very, I didn't see it this way, but yes, I have very good memories from a Web Summit and I still have my Web Summit t-shirt that I use for running. Yeah. And uh, yeah, it's, uh, it's true, actually. That's interesting. Cool. So uh, before I ask you the next question, for people who, are, who joined, uh, if you have questions, really drop them in the chat. Um, or if you're on YouTube, same thing. You can drop them in the chat. Really feel free to ask any question. We can talk about anything sales, sales development. Uh, and now I'm going to go to the next question, um, which is, well, you were a teacher before. Why did you switch to sales? Yeah, um, I... I knew, I knew when I was in teaching that I wasn't going to be a 30 year in the classroom teacher. Um, I didn't really know where I wanted to go. 
Um, but when I was in the classroom, I really fell in love with technology, right? And as, as I mentioned earlier, so at that point, it became, how do I get into a tech company? And so I was willing to mop the floors to get into one of these tech companies. It just so happened that the entry level point was sales development. And I thought, okay, I'm, heck, every day in teaching, I'm basically selling these kids on caring about Spanish. So surely I can get somebody to care about training their people a little bit better or buying this event software. So it just became a really natural transition point. That was where they were hiring. So uh, there's a famous quote, um, and I cannot remember, I'm so sorry who, who said it, it might've been Henry Ford, but it's, you know, uh, basically opportunity uh, is often dressed in overalls and looks like work. And so I saw this opportunity to transition to tech. That opportunity was in sales. I said, great, let's do it. Let's tackle this and let's see where it goes. So that really became my, my entry point in uh, to, to starting off my sales career. Okay, nice. You know, that's, uh, that's, that's really cool. And, uh, um, you know, it's, I think it's, it's, it's a nice mindset to say, okay, I'm willing to, uh, to mop the floor and everything to do it. That's actually what I've done when I was uh, uh, 15. I wanted to, um, I wanted to actually pay for my pilot license. And uh, I mean, I wanted the pilot license. So first reflex, I was went to my parents and say, hey, can you pay this? And say, how much does it cost? It's like 12,000 euro. Say never. So you will actually take care of it yourself. And so I went to my grandfather and I said, how oh, can you pay for me? And they, they don't make, a, I mean, they, they were like uh, uh, growing in vineyards in South of France. So they were not making tons of money. So I said, you know what you got to do? You just go to the local airfield and you say, I'm going to clean the airplanes, mop the floor so I can actually make some money and be in contact. That's what I did. And then I got my license, my pilot license at 19, four years after, after saving. Uh, basically, you were giving me one euro, I was saving 1.5 euro. So it was, uh, it, it was great. Yeah. Get in the room, right? Get in the room. That's the best advice I, I think I got was find your way into the room. And, and yeah. even if that means you're you know, you're, you're mopping a floor or you're making cold calls, right? Like find your way on the boat, find your way in the room. And then once you're in there, you, you execute and make the best of that opportunity, right? Uh, you show up early, you, you, you work your butt off. Um, and, uh, you know, things come to those who, who will put that effort in. So, um, that's, uh, that's the, the, I guess the best advice I can find, like find a way to get room. And once you're there, make, make that opportunity happen for you. Yeah, and actually, it's it's a lot easier than often it's uh, people think, because often we we live in a world where there are rules. For example, just whenever you're looking for a job, I'm not saying finding a job is easy nowadays. It really depends in which industry, but often um, there are rules. For example, like whenever you're applying for a job, uh, what you have to know is is very often it's late in the process. It's just like when you receive an RFP, uh, it's late in the process, and, and so if you have a dream company. You, do, you know, the, the, the kind of like uh, tip I give is like, find the list of top 50 companies you want to work with. And then, you know, like go and talk to everyone in there, like add them on LinkedIn, prospect them. And then you're going to find a way to actually see the room and then maybe you can get in the room. Yeah, you got to speak the language, right? You got to speak the language. So talk to your, how do I want to say this? Um, go find, you know, if you have a title or a role that you want to get into, go find five people with that role and just ask them questions. Just ping them with questions and seek to learn, right? Seek to understand, and then you're starting to speak their language. If you want to get into a specific company, go talk to five people inside the company before you apply, right? Or, you know, and, and just start to build those relationships. Um, network is currency. Um, and, and the more you can build that authentically, right? I think there's a lot of people out there who maybe just throw their name out and try and be, the, you know, an influencer and a thought leader. And, you know, 
it, do it authentically. I think there's absolutely, a, that's an absolutely important rule to it. But if you can do that and you can meet those people, like it will set you up for that success. And, and we're yeah. in such a cool time where you can, anyone can be anything kind of, you know, it's kind of, it is kind of that yeah. cool thing. And it maybe sounds a little pie in the sky, like dream big, but you know, uh, if I wanted to be an expert in something, like I can go figure out how to be an expert in that and go start a podcast on it or do this yeah. or do it right. Like there's, there's, there's really that, that cool opportunity um, right now. Exactly, exactly. So we have a, a live question. But before we have this live question, I would like to ask you something. Um, you talked about technology and you were teaching. Uh, how do you see technology impacting um, class, like classrooms? So for me, I have a dream is uh, I want to be able to have kids and, uh, and not be forced to live in one place because of the school. So, I mean, I, I know it's a, it's a whole kind of debate and everything, but like, how do you think technology will change the way we, we learn as kids? The moment that internet entered the classroom, the teacher no longer became the subject matter expert, right? So, because you have Google, you have everyone, you have people writing articles and, and, and building things that are, that are, you know, way more, there's way more knowledge out there than that than one person than that teacher could ever, ever, ever contain. And that's not a knock on the teacher, right? But now it becomes this teacher's job to facilitate conversation and curiosity, you know? And so that's what gets really, really cool when you see technology coming into the classroom, you see internet coming into the classroom is it really opens up a lot of doors for this teacher to facilitate, um, real discussion and curiosity in their students. And you don't have to, everyone doesn't have to follow down this same exact path, right? You can take a lot of paths to get to the same competency. You know, if you are, if you're teaching writing, you know, I think you're starting to see this. If you're teaching writing and one, one student has a real passion for, you know, um, hip hop or R and B, or one, one student has a real passion for computer coding and, and, and computer engineering, like let them write on those topics, right? Let them find different ways to show competency in certain things. So with the technology that you see coming into the classroom, it's really all about facilitating um, differentiated styles of learning. And I just think that's going to continue to happen. And, and as a part of that, you're going to see more remote opportunities for learning as well, right? Someone's, yeah. Someone will find a way to master the Zoom for classroom. It'll happen. Yeah. I don't know who, I don't know how, uh, I don't want to be the one building it because it would be crazy, but Yeah. Uh, someone will master that. And when they do, yeah. uh, watch out. Yeah, actually, it's really fun because uh, I'm in the, uh, you know, like, uh, so I'm in Mexico right now at uh, my uh, father's-in-law office and, and we go for lunch uh, every every day to, to lunch with the family. And so my, my fiance has two brothers and they are like around 16, 17. And right now they are on remote classroom, basically. And what they did is like, they even have like remote uh, gym, gym, gym classes. So uh, uh, sports classes. And so what they do, they do breakout rooms with four people. And then the, the, the teacher kind of like comes in the breakout and says, oh, you, you do 10 jumping jacks. And then it's fun because they are, you see all of them camera on and people are doing jumping jacks and it's super weird, but it's really fun. Oh. And uh, uh, it's really fun to see. Yeah, yeah. I could go down a whole rabbit hole, a uh, whole discussion on education. It's, it's still a big passion of mine. Yeah. Okay. So we have a question from Max here. So how have you created a team environment during the pandemic? Yes. So I think the biggest thing that, oh, I mean, I love this. I think I saw Max in there. What's up, Max? Glad you're, glad you're on here, man. Um, so when I, as I thought about team environment, I kind of came in at the right time. I actually got lucky because I came in with no, no like preconceived notions. I didn't know the team. 
right? So in not knowing the team, I went through this exploratory phase of like, who are we, right? What, what, what is this team about? What do we do? And, and as I started meeting them and getting to know them, what I was doing is I was just taking notes. I was just kind of like writing down some of the phrases I kept hearing from them, um, you know, listening to what they said. And then ultimately what we took from that is we said, okay, here are our North stars, here are our values. And we were able to just create a team set of values and say like, Hey, this is, I don't know if these are, these are going to always be our values, but right now in the next three to six months, seven months, whatever, this is what we're going to care about. And everything that we do as a team needs to point back to these three things. Um, so for our team, those three things were, we're going to obsess over the experience, obsess over the prospect experience. We're going to um, control the controllables, which is overused, but I think it's super important, especially in business development. Um, and we're going to lead from the front, meaning our team, we will take on all the hard challenges. We'll do whatever. Uh, we will be the ones leading from the front. We will make ourselves indispensable to this team. Um, so those didn't just like come down from on high. We didn't carve those into a tablet somewhere. It just through authentic kind of real conversation with the team, we started to realize, Hey, these are our things. And so we communicated those to each other. They were showing up in daily standups. Right. And so we just started to begin to, to construct this really authentic, uh, culture around those things. Right. And I think that you know, yeah, we did happy hours. We did, you know, virtual, virtual happy hours and virtual catch-ups where we would just all kind of hang out. Like those things are important to just distract us and get a chance to just debrief and, and chat. But there was no, like, we did all these different cool activities. We did, it was just all about us uniting around common vision and values. And, um, in doing that, it helped us. What it did was it helped to, um, decentralize the decision-making process. So my team, those BDRs, they felt empowered to make their own decisions because they knew if they came to me, I was going to just kind of point to those and say, what do we care about? What's the, I'm going to say, what's the best experience for that prospect? And they go, Oh, it should be this. There's your answer. Love it. So it helped us to decentralize the process um, of our decision-making, which helped us to move faster, right? Helped us to perform at a higher level. And then once you get that performance running, now you're starting to get off to the races. Now the team, the company is looking at you going, how are you guys doing this? Morale's kicking up, right? We're making some of those decisions that allow us to, to, to get better and better and better. So that's how, that's how we really thought about building the team through the pandemic uh, was just, what do we care about? We cannot care about everything. There's no, no way. So if we have to choose, what do we care about? And we said, we care about these three things. That's what we care about. If we care about those and we focus on those relentlessly, We'll be all right. Okay, that's 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 really nice, and I like the fact that you, you didn't say, okay, we're gonna do like uh, fluffy activities and stuff like that, and and because it's not fun, you know, when you're like after a full day of work and then you have to stay again in one hour on Zoom, it's really not fun. No, so, no, forced fun's never gonna get you. You know, forced fun is 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 only gonna get you so far. And I'm very fortunate, table. I, I have a great team who enjoy spending time with each other. That I didn't build that. That was just we we brought in fun people. We brought in interesting people that you just want to sit with. Like I, I want to sit and have a beer with some of these people because they're interesting and tell good stories. And so yeah. that just was in the team. I didn't build that. That didn't happen. I think that's more of a, a talk around hiring and, and hiring for, you know, a unit, you know, diversity in, in your thought. So, um, 
that just happened. But yeah, no, there was no forced fun. It was no like, we're going to do all these different things. We're going to try and get everybody in a room all the time. It just became very much about these are our values. We're going to live by these. Um, and uh, that, that, that guided us. That, that took us where we wanted to be. Okay, nice. And so another question then for Max is like, how, what ways have you motivated the new team? What ways am I motivating the team? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I, motiv I, think, I think what to, to, to tie it into what we just did, it's really motivating. I don't know, maybe this is for everybody else. It's really motivating when you know that your boss trusts you, right? It's really motivating when, you, when, when your boss trusts you and you know, like, I know that I can do what I feel is right. Um, and so we really, I, I really just tried to build that, that, that environment um, mm -hmm. to motivate the team. Um, you know, I also tried to be very, very real with them you know, it was for a while there, it was kind of, it was, it was hit and miss, you know, it was touch and go as to whether we were going to have jobs the next week. Um, yeah. I never shied away from that conversation with them. I, 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 and we just pointed back to, Hey team, we got to control. What we can control That's I, I can't, we, we can't control the cash flow of the business. We can't control, you know, um, you know, whether prospects want to talk right now, all we can control is our attitude we take into every day. We can control the number of calls we make, the number of emails we send, the message that we put in those. And I trust all of you to provide a great experience. So go forth and let's figure out a way to do this thing. Um, so I think it became really motivating to team and, and it was, and, and it came from my boss as well. Like we each trusted each other to just go find the, find the next best step. Like what is the next right thing to do here? And man, that was super motivating for us as a team. When you just knew you had that trust and buy-in to go, what's the next right thing? Here's what I think. Great. Let's go. Mm -hmm. uh, so again, I wish there was some silver bullet. Like we did zoom happy hours every Monday, Wednesday, Friday. Uh, and that was the, that was the single cause. We did some of that. It definitely helped, but the motivation was very, very intrinsic of, Hey, this is what we can control as a team. This is how we're going to move forward. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, I think it's uh, it's great because sometimes you have people who are trying to over motivate others. The thing is, motivation is always intrinsic, so you can't really create motivation or, or uh, give motivation to people. They have to make themselves. So you can only create the environment where people will, will do that. And as you said, I think trust is a great one. Um, because yeah. I know a lot of people who, who were like in companies where the trust, they say, okay, now we're going to put like a tracker on your computer and everything to see if you're there. And yeah. so it, it, it's just like, it's, it, yeah, it's hard when people do that. I think for the managers out there, the people managers, um, the thing that I, I tried to rest or what I try to keep in my thoughts every day too, is like, what blockers can I remove? That became my sole focus. It's like, what are the, what are the, what am I hearing from my team? And like, what is it, what, what is causing them headaches or, or, or problems? Let me just go solve those. And if I can solve those and remove those blockers, that's really, really motivating for them because it's like, Hey, I can move, I can do my work better. I can be faster. I can get rewarded uh, more appropriately, all of those things as well. So my mentality as a manager became less about how can we build and grow? And like, I thought basically I didn't want to worry about 2021 too much. <laughs> I wasn't trying to worry about where we were going to be in 18 months. It was very much about, what are the immediate things that are causing my team anguish and how can I show them that I will get these resolved for them or, or I'll communicate why I can't. Um, okay. So that was another big piece. I don't know if that's for anybody who's maybe managing a team out there. 
that was what I, I learned in that. And just my thought process was very much, what are the immediate things I can try and solve for? Okay. Okay. Um, and so talking tactically about like uh, sales development, so do you have like a, a killer sequence to share something like that? Ooh, a killer sequence. Um, I don't know if I have a killer sequence. We test, so we test our sequences, our cadences um, every two weeks. We do two week sprint tests and the team is required. They report back every, uh, every other Monday and say, hey, here's, here's where the data, here's what it worked, here's what didn't work. Um, I tell them to communicate insights than actions. So like, hey, this email doesn't feel like it's really working right now. Data confirms it. I think we should change this email to a call or I think we should change this email to this copy. Um, so I don't have a killer sequence outside of uh, our, our, our killer sequence is that we are constantly editing our sequences and <laughs> that we're constantly okay. looking for fresh, uh, fresh ways to, to get involved. I will say a couple of things inside of messaging that we are seeing work right now. Um, for us, calls are gold. Uh, calls are working extremely well. When we can get conversations, uh, we're doing really, really well. Um, now, I would say that we have a, we are helped and aided by having a product that is, um, I guess I would call it COVID friendly. And that's, I don't know what the best way to say that. Like it just, it, it, it helps people in this time, right? Uh, it yeah. helps event planners solve their problems. So it's, it's, it is very, very relevant, but we got to get people on the phone. We can get them on there and we talk about that, that, that we, we book at a really good rate. Um, <laughs> People love it or hate it, but the best email that performs for us is when we say, you know, hey, John, um, any questions on my previous email? Thanks, Kyle. And like we get tons of responses yeah. from that. Um, so that seems to be a great email for us right now. Um, but yeah, outside of that, I, I really don't have this killer sequence. We run a, it's about nine, 10 steps over 20 days uh, right now. That, mm -hmm. that's, the, that's the cadence that we're generally running. Um, with four or five calls sprinkled in and uh, four or five emails. Okay. Okay. Nice. I really like the um, the thing you say. Hey, John, do you have any questions on my previous email? For me, I have uh, even more uh, shorter. I say any thoughts. The question yeah, mark it works really, really well. I yeah. love it. Yeah. I, it. It 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 gets us responses. Um, and when you get a response, yeah. you have an opportunity, right? You have a shot. Yeah. Um, exactly. So, and your first email has to be good, right? You can't say that. You can't do any thoughts and have a crappy first email. Yeah, <laughs> you got to yeah, have yeah. something good there. But man, that, that just that double tap uh, seems to really help out well. Yeah, works pretty well. And so, um, so regarding messaging, so how do you adjust messaging when what you're selling completely changes, basically? So I know maybe in your case, you started and then it was already changing, but what were the changes, the adjustments you had to do? Um, when I... What adjustments did we make to messaging like when I started or? So from, let's say you were selling, let's say a, a mobile app for um, virtual, like uh, on-site on events to more virtual events now. Yeah, 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 yeah. Okay, cool. So the biggest, the biggest shift, right, is that we became a really, we were a very transactional like point solution being a mobile app for your events. And now we're becoming this full enterprise grade solution. Right. And so what I always coach my team for is um, just to, to borrow from, uh, I believe Josh Braun talks a lot about this, right. Is like, look for the elephants, look for the whales. What are the big ongoing problems that are happening in these people's world? Let's start messaging towards those and not 
hey, do you need a mobile app for this event, right? Um, yeah. So instead of fighting for 1% of their event budget, we might be fighting for 10% of their event budget now. So let's go look for the big ongoing problems and let's message mm -hmm. to those. So it always comes back to, I, I don't think I created this. It's all over the place. I don't know who started it, but you know, why you, why now, why us, right? As the, yeah. as the messaging is the structure we set up. Um, you know, why you, meaning why am I talking to you? Why now? Why am I saying this right now? What relevant information do, you know, that makes me think that right now is the right time? And then how can we help you achieve that? Um, and, and again, we're always looking for big problems. That's, that's the key, yeah. big problems. Yeah, yeah, I like this, this kind of approach because uh, often, you know, when, when let's say you, you land to a, into a new company, you will go through two, three weeks of bootcamp where uh, my, my mentor and partner is named Skip Miller. He's like the uh, inventor of proactive selling uh, um, sales methodology. And, and he, he has a, an analogy, which is like the, the USB cable analogy. So basically when you, you arrive in your bootcamp, People like plug the USB cable and they upload all the information they have on the company. And then what we do, we go to prospects and then we have the cable and we're ready. And then we look that they don't have a USB port. It's like a, it's like a USB-C or lightning or whatever. Yeah. And they're like, okay, how does it work? And so the best way is to not like talk about what you're doing, but talk about their problems. And that's the first thing to, to get started. And what I found is the best outreach messages for me are the ones and my customers are the one where you don't talk about what you're doing. You just talk about a problem you tease people and you talk about what you're doing whenever you're doing a call after you you, you qualified the, the problem. And so I very think yeah. yeah, a very tactical way for, for any SDRs out there that I've tried to coach some of my team is, is like, look at the subject of your sentences. Go back to ninth grade English class here, ninth grade, ninth grade writing and grammar, and look at the subjects of your sentences. If the subjects of your sentences are your, com are your company or you, meaning like if it's we, right, or mm -hmm. us, right, or my company, um, switch it to make the prospect the subject of the sentence, right? Yeah. You know, Debo, you might be having this problem or event organizers might be seeing this challenge, right? Make them the subject. So it's me to you messaging instead of, uh, of us to many. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And, and avoid all the buzzword and the fluff around like 360 learning platform, whatever. It's crazy yeah. for me when I hear that, like, it's like we are the leading provider and like, we, you know, like who says you're the leading like is it you know what's what's that so i think it's always uh yeah it's it's always fun how people are just trying to sound more important and it doesn't work you know for prospects any of your words write an email template leave it for a second come back do a word counter and if you have you know a hundred words in it go find 10 words to cut and go try and cut those yeah. down a little bit, right so yeah cutting the fluff is a is a huge huge help exactly exactly so I have a question here, which is, seems like you're also coaching a soccer team. How's that? It's good. Uh, yeah, it's a lot of fun. I actually, uh, my wife and I are in the process of, of starting a family. So I just hung up the cleats for a year. Um, okay. uh, I wanted to, wanted to focus on the family for a little bit, but um, I love it. I love it because I, lo I, I still love, I still very much have a passion for teaching. And so that was kind of my way to fill that void um, of not being able to be in the classroom and build relationships and help, help help these kids grow uh, and really invest in them. So yeah, so I coach um, at a soccer club up uh, in one of the suburbs of, of Indianapolis. Um, I had a, had a really good team. Um, it was super bummed. We actually, uh, my claim, I'm, I'm really proud of this. Uh, we went to a tournament uh, in the first week of March 
just just as I was starting at Socio, just before, before COVID kind of came in, uh, we won. We went undefeated at the tournament, won won the medal, uh, went first place, uh, and then everything shut down. So I finished on top. I, I went yeah. out on top. Um, okay. But no, we, I, I love it. I absolutely love coaching soccer. It's one of my favorite favorite things to do um, in my, in the past time. I love soccer. Is just such a it's such a beautiful game. It's so much fun to play. It's so much fun to watch. Um, and uh, I love teaching and coaching the kids on it. So it's a blast. I have a, I, that's yeah. a whole, that's a whole separate podcast. Cause I could go, I could go yeah. down a whole rep. I love it. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's crazy. Cause the normally American sport is very um, uh, interpreted, you know, where you go because you may, I mean, it's, it's not, I mean, it's mostly so you can show ads, <laughs> uh, I mean, or maybe because the sports is made this way, but like soccer is very different where there's a, it's always kind of ongoing, there's like stops and everything, but it's uh, until you make a foul, basically there's a, it's all good. So it's very different yeah. than what you, you typically see in the US. I think, and there's, there's probably a ton of metaphors, right? But it's player centric, right? Mm -hmm. I can't call it timeout as a coach. Um, so it's very, very player, players have to make their own decisions. Right. Yeah. Um, and I'll, I'll just to totally just beat this metaphor, like it's the same when you're managing a team. Right. It's the same when you have a team in a business. Um, you, you should build it player centric. Right. You should build it so that your players can make decisions in real time and that they feel empowered and confident in those decisions. And then in the coaching, you get a chance to review the tape and say, hey, you 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 turned this way. You made this pass. Um, next time, try this way. Right. Um, it's the same thing if I'm coaching someone on a cold call. Hey, you ask this question this way. Maybe maybe open it a little bit or don't scaffold the yeah. question. Try that next time. And they go yeah. back, they, they, they practice and they become, so it's all, it's very, very player centric. Whereas something like basketball is, is somewhat coach centric, right? If they're mm -hmm. in the last 10 seconds, what always happens? The coach calls a timeout, brings everybody yeah. over, draws up the play, tells the players what to do and then they go out and execute. Whereas you don't get yeah. that opportunity in soccer. You don't get that opportunity in business development or on a, on a business team. You, you, you need your players to perform in the moment. Oh, that's, so, a so that's a really easy metaphor, but it's, it's, it's applicable. But I, I didn't see it this way. So it's very true that uh, uh, I'm watching right now a, a, a series called The Last Chance You on Netflix. Mm -hmm. Have you had, did you watch it or? I've not watched it, but I know what you're talking about. Okay. Okay. It's it's super nice, and uh, and so it's it's very. You can see like American football is very like uh, as you said, coach centric. You build a plan and you execute it, and uh, whereas like for for me, I, lo I love rugby. When rugby, yeah. you you just like uh, the the coach are just like not even on the sidelines. You know, they are uh -oh. in the box somewhere, and uh, yeah, yep. it's it's very different. The coach, you know, sets everything up at the beginning of the game, and then goes and sits down and waits till halftime. Like I can't do anything. Yeah. They the players are on the field, right? Yeah, yeah. No, it's uh, it's very different. Yeah, it's uh, it's good. Okay, so I don't think we have um, additional questions there. So for me, I'd like to open the, the stage if you want to talk about anything, uh, maybe tell a bit about more about Socio and, and about you and where people can find you. Yeah, absolutely. So um, I think the first thing I totally give this shameless plug for Socio. Um, it is a great, great tool. Um, for any, any, any nonprofit organization, you know, member-based associations, uh, and then, you know, for-profit, you know, companies and corporations looking for ways to host um, internal or external events, whether they were partners, customers, key stakeholders. Um, it's the thing that separates Socio from the pack is it's all about authentic connection. Everything we build is built for connection. 
Um, it, it's built to facilitate those. That's the whole reason we go to events. It's the whole reason we, we bring people together is because when you get two or more people in a room, ideas start to flow and innovation happens. And our job is just to facilitate that. And I think we've built a really cool software to help do that. So that's my, my shameless plug for Socio. Uh, in terms of where you can find me, uh, I'm, I'm on LinkedIn. I try to post as often as I can, um, but you can definitely find me there. Um, that's probably the best place to, to get a hold of me. I'm also on Twitter, but I, 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 I'm more of a follower, a passive follower there than, a, than an active, active tweeter. Um, but uh, those would be the best places you can follow me. And uh, yeah, please, anyone feel free to reach out. Um, I have taken it as a, as a passion project on the side to um, one, help teachers transition out of teaching. If that's something that they're looking to do, I, I never want to steal teachers away from that profession because it's, it's an amazing profession. Um, but if it doesn't feel like a fit. I love, I love working with teachers to help them figure out that next step and figure out, uh, you know, what their career looks like. I also just love talking about uh, business development, coaching. Uh, I'm always open for a coffee, for a brainstorm, for a chat. Um, so anytime feel, anyone can feel free to reach out, uh, and, uh, would love to, to, to pick their brain because I guarantee I learned something in that conversation as well. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Great. So what I'll do, I'll include the links to both uh, socio and, and your LinkedIn profile. And what you said also is great whenever, for me, it's like, why I love coaching so much and, uh, training is, I mean, mostly coaching because I'm the one who learns the most, like whenever you're the one, uh, that's what I found is like, whenever you're the one. Coaching, you're asking questions, and then you just learn so much. So I think it's a, it's a, it's a great word of, uh, of advice. Absolutely, yeah. We didn't even we didn't even dive into those topics, but you know, there there are so many topics right now around onboarding and training and ongoing training. Right? It's you, especially in business development, you hire these reps, and and they're hungry, and and they want to come in and learn everything they can. And how do you facilitate that um, and set them up for success? Is a is a a really big topic in sales development right now because I think we're seeing. Um, sales development start to turn into more of a career, not just become a, it's not just like, Hey, go cut your teeth and cold call for 18 months. And then we'll promote you to an AE. It's becoming more of a career. It's becoming more of a, of a, of a department of a function yeah. um, by businesses. So that means the training has to level up. The coaching has to level up, right? Um, the way we comp has to level up. So there's just a lot of opportunity in this area. So I'm, um, that's a whole, uh, again, a whole separate podcast that we could, we could, uh, we could record talking about how to, how to really get those reps at a place where they're performing at the highest level. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Then I'll invite you to another one. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> Do it. Anytime. Anytime. I'm always done. Okay, cool. Thanks a lot, Kyle. That was uh, really nice. And uh, Max says more Kyle Roach. So I guess you got like uh, the, the crowd uh, is showing your name. Thanks, Max. <laughs> cool. Thanks a lot, Kyle. It was nice to talk to you and uh, have a good day. Thank you very much. You as well. Thanks for listening to this episode. If you like what you hear, you can actually go for a small gift on my website. It's www.saleslabs.io slash ULOS. I repeat, www.saleslabs.io slash ULOS. It's my ultimate LinkedIn outreach sequence. You'll be able to download it, directly use it, and you'll be signed up for the newsletter. And every Thursday, you'll receive the latest episode.